It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder mailbag edition. Can Chet Holmgren win Rookie of the Year? Would that lead the Thunder to play in contention? Who can we expect a big leap from in this season? And what is the future outlook for OKC? Plus, some fun questions mixed in as well. A lot to get to today. Let's get into the show. Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and Aaron Chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Bet Online. We're going to dive into your Thunder mailbag questions ranging from Lou Dort points per game to who will get the most credit when the Thunder win a championship to can Chet Holmgren win rookie of the year and even who has the best pizza in Oklahoma City. So a lot to get to today. And again, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's dive into the mailbag episode, but thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking Thunder Basketball. Subscribe for free across all platforms so you never miss an episode. We're in the offseason right now, three days a week, but we're going to ramp right back up to five days a week here pretty soon. I'm locked on Thunder, so stay tuned for that. Subscribe on YouTube for free, on any podcasting platform for free, and let's dive into the show. So I want to start the pod out with a question from at OKC Skittles. If this team wins a championship eventually, do you think Sam Presti will get more of the credit than the players, given that he built this team up from the ground up? I think that this is a very interesting question. OKC Skittles is a fantastic question asker of podcast mailbags. My my thing with this question is, I think that you're right that Sam Presti will get more of the credit than the players. It's a given that to win a championship, especially right now, you need star players. You need guys that can, can uh, handle their business on the court and be leaders of the, of the team and be superstars. That's a given. I think the thing with Sam Presti getting the most credit is you're seeing a GM right now who has total control over the organization from top to bottom basketball. He has total control over it. Doesn't have to ask permission. Doesn't have to ask what his limitations are. Doesn't have to run things by ownership. Obviously he still does, but Again, you're not going to deny Sam Presti for making any move he wants to make. You don't have a meddlesome owner. This is truly Sam Presti's show. Whatever move he makes falls upon him. 
And so with that being said, I think you are going to see him get the bulk of the credit for it because we have to give people credit. It's just an itch. Uh, the media itches to push upon uh, credit upon somebody, whether whether it's saying, you know, Giannis carried the Bucks or whatever the case is. The whole shtick here, right, in our media game is who gets credit, who gets blame, and that's pretty much the whole thing, right? So we are going to give credit to somebody, either players, ownership, front office members, whatever. The reason I think that it will be Sam Presti over one of the core players is because the player credit is built in. It's baked into the cake. You're going to be crediting SGA and Chet Holmgren and Josh Giddey and whoever else throughout that 82-game stretch the entire time. Once the finals is over and the Thunder hypothetically win a championship, when you're reflecting upon that team, I think that mostly the credit will go to Sam Presti in the sense of he was polarizing. He was questioned. I mean, folks, have you been on social media recently, you know, in the last two years? The Thunder, the black eye of the sport. Oh, Sam Presti finally got a good player. He'll trade him for a first-round pick. Oh, oh, don't. You know, don't say this or that. They're gonna, then they're going to be traded for a first-round pick, whatever. Like the first-round pick jokes, the the black eye of the sport tanking um, kind of discontent for Sam Presti, all that stuff that's been going on. Oh, he drafted three straight MVPs but never won a championship. To finally get to that mountaintop and to do it again by totally building the team in your image, I think will get him a ton of respect and a ton of credit. But I do think that the, that the credit for the team, of course, is baked in to just watching the games game to game. But once we have time, that hypothetical offseason, to sit back and reflect, I think that Sam Presti will get a ton of credit, and deservedly so, because he did put the team together, and he did put it together. Again, let's let's walk down this hypothetical path for a second. He would have put together a team of very unique pieces. He took the chance on Chet Holmgren whenever Jabari Smith was there. He was able to trade for SGA and, and really a massive fleecing in the sense of, you know, Paul George could have made that public. He could have, you know, kind of nuked the Thunder's leverage. Somehow Sam Presti keeps that under wraps. He not only steals away the entire draft of the Clippers, but steals away their promising young player in SGA, robbing them of those assets. The Clippers have done a great job pivoting since then. I've really liked that the, the, the kind of depth the Clippers have built up uh, as a result of that steal, you know, even with those hindrances of not having all your picks, not having SGA to help you, build around Kawhi and Paul George. I think that the Clippers can win an NBA championship either this year or next year. Again, all that is just contingent upon health for the Clippers. But nonetheless, you're able to do that Paul George trade, which is a stunner and has changed the landscape of how trades work uh, in the NBA. And then, of course, like we said, you took a chance on Chet. Um, You got and developed SGA from the Clippers after a good rookie season. You, at that point, would then transform him into a superstar to win a championship. He'll need to be a superstar. And then you took the chance on Josh Gady whenever Kamingo was the conventional wisdom pick. Uh, and of course, Josh Kitty would have had to pan out to win a championship. So you, you built this not only in your image and not only with all of the credit going to you, but you did it by taking some chances and taking some swings and having them pay off. So I think that he will get a ton of credit and deservedly so, because at that point, while he has not racked up 50 million championships, his resume is really stinking good as a general manager. It's really good right now, but with a championship added in the bag, uh, it is very, very good as a team builder, and especially considering he would have never had the assets or, or, or the luxury or resources of a top-tier market, of a top-tier team, and, and never been able to make a free agency splash at that point. So uh, it's a good question, and I think that you're right that Sam Presti 
when the dust settles, will be given a lot more credit than the players, just in the sense of conversationally. But of course, the players still deserve credit for winning it because they have to go out there and perform. I mean, Sam Presti has built t- title teams before. I mean, it's 2016. If they don't blow a 3-1 lead, I think that they beat the Cavs, and that's a title team. What did Sam Presti do, though? His job was done you know, in October or whatever, or in March after the deadline. That's not his fault that they did or did not win a championship in 2016. Again, the injuries with Russell Westbrook in the playoffs and the injuries of that season where they just were totally nuked and missed the playoffs in general. Like, those little, those factors and stuff, like, it's out of his control. He just builds the team and the roster. He's already built title-winning caliber teams to actually go over that hump, though, of course, would be a big deal for Sam Presti. So we're going to talk a lot more in this mailbag about... uh, the future of the Thunder, but also some more current day questions. This question comes from at uh, Clement Akufo. It says, which players are under the most pressure to perform this year? We've done a, a podcast about this as well. Um, to me, it's it's Darius Baisley. You're heading into a contract year. Um, still have not gained consistency. He did show out last year as a um, star switchable defender in the sense of, I mean, he was just excellent defensively last year. But can that offense come around in a contract year where um, this season will really go a long way in defining your NBA career? I've seen some pushback on the sense of, oh, there can't be pressure on, on, on a team who's going to tank. It's a tanking team. Nobody has pressure. The pressure's not in the win-loss. The pressure is in the career-defining moments. So we did that podcast last week about who has the most pressure. That was kind of some of the comments that was made. Oh, no one has pressure. It's a tanking team. If Darius Baisley comes out this year and shoots 35% from three, still has his athleticism and still is a switchable defender one through five at a very, very high clip, the contract he will receive in the offseason from any team around the league and including Oklahoma City will be significantly higher than what he would receive if he has another dud year offensively. That's pressure. That's pressure upon yourself to either win your starting job back in training camp and then play the season out and prove you deserve a starting job long-term and get a long-term security contract or lose your starting job in training camp to a second-year player, fall out of the rotation in general, and now you're hooking on with another team on a flyer deal and hoping you can just crack an NBA rotation. Like, that is immense pressure for anybody in their line of work. Imagine if you had one year at your company to prove that you were valuable. And if you didn't do it, well, you've got to go find a new career path or you've got to go find uh, a new job, obviously. That's that's a that's a lot of pressure upon you for your one-year output performance. So I do think that's Darius Baisley, but there are some other names and we went through all of them on the podcast last week. Go check that one out uh, for your listening pleasure. And for your viewing pleasure, go view betonline.net because you can bet on sports. And while they have you covered with every sport, you know, they're the fastest and best way to bet on all your needs. They are the number one source for odds, lines, and games. They have MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. BetOnline is your continued top resource for sports wagering information like live betting and scores and podcasts and news. And you can go to them on your website uh, by going to their website on the laptop, desktop, mobile device, whatever. While they do have all those other sports, you type in BetOnline right now and you go to their sport book, if you're only comfortable looking at betting odds for basketball, because that's a sport you feel the most intimacy with and the most knowledgeable, you know, they're the most knowledgeable about, you can still bet on NBA basketball right now. You can bet on future bets, like who will win the championship, 
right now, the Boston Celtics have the best odds to win the title at plus 400. The Bucks are at plus 550 to win the title, and the Warriors to come to uh, repeat are at plus 700. You can bet on regular season rookie prop bets like Chet Holmgren blocks per game. Will he have over or under two blocks per game? The over is set at plus 135. So go check out Bet Online today. Still bet on the NBA or any other sport that you enjoy. Bet Online where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Now, this question again comes from Clement uh, Akufu. SGA, Giddy, Chet, Ludor are all off the table, so you cannot include them. Besides them, who's the most valuable member of the Thunder this season and in the future? I think it's Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Because I think that Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, if he can shoot 40% from three, plus provide switchable defense, plus provide when necessary on ball playmaking, and exploring his his cutting ability that he showed so well at um, in summer league, when when you factor all those things in, that is a quintessential player to pair with those guys that we just mentioned. So I think that he's the most important uh, member of the future of the Thunder and this season. If he can have a huge impact as a rookie, and you got two heavily impactful rookies in a positive manner, and Chet and uh, Jalen Williams, that of course overhauls this season, it overhauls your future. Things of that nature. Another name, of course, that's very valuable is Trey Mann. Of that, that is not on that list that you mentioned. I can't mention um, Trey Mann. I mean, if he becomes a legitimate six man of the year type of player in the future, that is revolutionary for your organization. But those are two that really jump out to me. Uh, at Hogsfan underscore two thousand one, who do you think will make a big jump, or someone you think will uh, make a jump in general that we're not expecting for this upcoming season? For me, it's Pokashevsky. Um, he ended the season very strong. I know that people have given up on him and have questions about you know, kind of what his future is. I worry that he might, you know, I worry about him, of course. Like, like you know, you don't want to see him have to take a G League stint again to, to get right. But after the G League last year, you know, drink if you've heard that before, he was very good. He, he was a very good quality NBA player. And I said before the year last year, I expect the biggest leap from Pokoshevsky not to be from year one to two, but to be from year two to three. And the Thunder, of course, are happy that he's getting his first full off season to um, prepare for the NBA season. He's gotten a fully healthy off season. That's the length of time of a normal one. You're not starting the season until the end of September for training camp. Uh, he's He's gotten to play in summer league for the first time in his career, heading into year three. That's very abnormal in terms of development, but, but it was due to the pandemic and things of that nature. Uh, and then they blocked him from playing for Team Serbia uh, to allow him to continue to develop in terms of his NBA season and prepare for his NBA season. Uh, so everything's trending in the direction of him having a leap. My biggest question for Poku is, does he need that G League buffer again? Uh, is he going to have to get on track with going to the G League? 
or can he just hit the ground running and be a very good NBA player from start to finish? And how does he fare in that rotation once things are said and done? Uh, so another question from Matt Hogg fan underscore 21 or 2001, I should say, what do you think the stats will be for SGA, Giddy, Dort, Chet, and J-Dub? Uh, I'm not sure like what stats. So I'll just do like points per game. Uh, I think that SGA will be, you know, 25 to 27 points per game. I think that Josh Giddy can be you know, 12, 14 points per game, depending on, you know, of course, how his jump shot increases and how many games he plays, how many minutes he plays. I mean, last year's at 12 and a half. So a two-point-per-game leap would be nice to go to 14 uh, from that 12 mark. Uh, maybe you can get to 15 and, and still, of course, average um, a high assist mark, and, and hopefully he gets even more tangible assists, not potential assists next year with a better roster around him. Uh, Lou Dort, I think that the points-per-game for Lou Dort will come down a bit just because it's just how the offense will run, but I still think that his efficiency will go up, so I'll give you an efficiency stat there. I think that will shoot uh, at least 35% or more from three. Uh, Chet Holmgren. What's that going to give you for Chad Holmgren? Let's take the over on blocks per game on two and a half. Let's just get crazy. And then for J-Dub, uh, shooting 37% from three or better for J-Dub. That's my stat that I hope will happen and that I predict could happen. Uh, from at Thunder Up David, what bar would Chet have to clear to be in contention for uh, Rookie of the Year this season? And if he is reaching that by the All-Star break, does that mean that the Thunder are on pace to be in the playoffs? This is a really good question. Let's tackle the second part first. You look at last year. Scotty Barnes wins Rookie of the Year. Evan Mobley's the runner-up. Cade Cunningham is is third. Two of the three had their team in the postseason. For the Cavs, it was the play-in. For the Raptors, it was the outright playoffs. Can Chet Holmgren have an Evan Mobley impact on this on this roster? Your Darius Garland is Shea Gilders Alexander. You have, you know, Josh Giddy is a really nice young player. If you want to maybe compare him to like Colin Sexton or something, not in this, not in the play style, but just as a third piece in the mix. And then you have Mobley to Chet to Chet in terms of just impact on the floor, not like play style. Impact on the floor, though. Can Chet make the impact that Evan Mobley did to help you win basketball games whenever you are going to be lifted up? By an all-star Keller player, of course, Scarlett last year, all-star SGA, hoping to be one this year. Um, if he is in the contention for rookie of the year, I think that it will be um, a sign to the Thunder heading in the right direction and that they are pacing for at least the play-in. Now, the Western Conference is incredibly tough. Like, injuries are going to happen. We can't predict, though. So just looking at the, at the Western Conference right now in terms of health and if everyone's healthy... Let's 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 live in this hypothetical world where we've started up a 2K franchise and turn injuries off. There's no chance, no matter how good Chet Holmgren is, in my opinion, that if everyone's healthy, you can catch Golden State. You can't catch Golden State. You can't catch Phoenix. I don't think that you can catch Memphis in terms of the win-loss in the regular season. They're a very good regular season team and a very good team in general and a very good playoff team. Again, this is all, all assuming health. Can't catch Golden State. Can't catch Phoenix. Cannot catch... Uh, Memphis. I don't think that you can catch Denver if healthy. Don't think you can catch LA if healthy in terms of the Clippers version of LA. Don't think that you can catch New Orleans if they're healthy. That is a that is a just starlet team if they are healthy and being productive. Um, then you get into if everything goes right. I still don't think that you can reach uh, Minnesota levels yet or even uh, LA levels yet. But again, this is considering if LA Lakers you know, are able to not only be healthy, but work out together. Like that's not factoring in any sort of turmoil, any sort of um, 
you know, um, product of drama or breakup or whatever happens with that team. Now you're down to, can you be better than Houston? Sure. Can you be better than San Antonio? Yes. Utah? Yes. We're up to three teams that you're for sure better than. Could you be better than Portland if Chet Holmgren plays at his, at, at the best of his capabilities rookie year and you have SGA? I think that you could, but of course that's, that's now getting into the maybe territory. Sacramento, they're selling their soul for the uh, play-in. Could you be better than them if Chet Holmgren reaches his highest impact? Maybe. So I, I don't think it's a guarantee that you are um, looking for the play-in if Chet Holmgren is having a rookie of the year, rookie of the year caliber team, uh, rookie year caliber season for him. However, I will say, because you also have SGA, I would imagine if at the All-Star break, the marker you used, Chet Holmgren's in line to win Rookie of the Year, and SGA's been healthy all season, and so is Josh Giddy, I'd imagine that the team was no worse than three games out of a playing spot. That's kind of where I would see that them being, um, if that happens. So yeah, they're they're in the mix for the playoffs if he's able to do that to the All-Star uh, break. Now, for how does he get to those numbers to win Rookie of the Year, I think, of course, he'll need the he'll need the fancy blocks. You know, he'll need the fancy blocks and interior um, rim defense. You look at last year for Evan Mobley. Uh, Evan Mobley was was able to average 15 points per game, eight rebounds per game, two assists, almost a steal, and then one block per game. He shot 25% from three and 53% from the floor. I think with Chet, you know, maybe you can get to 15 points per game like Evan Mobley did, and then 10 rebounds. Um, Three assists, a block, two blocks per game, and then thirty, you know, and then like 35, 36, 37 percent from three would be enough to get him in line to um of course, obviously, if he did that, he'd be rookie of the year. Uh, the only reason I think that he might miss out on rookie of the year is not because of win loss record, it's because of Paulo being a more traditional score. And I think that Paulo's box scores and Paulo's highlights will stand out a lot more than Chet maybe to where like if he's averaging 20 points per game or 22 points per game on the magic because he's not having to share the rock with somebody like SGA, maybe that gets him the nod. But I'm very fascinated by if Chet Holmgren can win rookie of the year. What do you think about rookie of the year for OKC and for the NBA? Um, I, I would still say right now if I had to vote on it, like my prediction, I'd say it's Jabari, Chet, and then fill in the rest. But, um, I mean, that's your, I'm sorry. I would say it's Paulo, Chet, and then fill in the rest. Um, but that's going to be a very, very tight race, I think. And these two guys have the personality and markability to make it a fun race as well. So I do think, though, with whatever marker you have to get to to be in the, in the conversation to be rookie of the year at the All-Star break, he will have gotten the Thunder about three games out of the playoffs, if not, if not in the play-in for the 10th seed. So we'll talk more about this mailbag coming up, including Sam Presti's future in OKC. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. This question comes from at Brother Reed 11 
if Sam Presti was to leave OKC, who and what situation would it be for? And what would they have to do to get him? You mentioned that, you know, he was rumored about the Boston job whenever Brad Stevens took over and that he didn't take it. And uh, to me, that was the job. When you pass up the Boston job, I don't see him going anywhere because Boston would have respected him, would have given him the control he has now. You also are in a market to where you can lure some free agents if you if you need to. You also have the control, of course, and and two two guys who got got the team to the finals this year. So obviously, Jalen Brown and and, uh, and Jason Tatum are doing very very well for themselves, and they're in the mix to trade for Kevin Durant if they want to. You know, you would have total control there, and you are a Massachusetts guy. You know, you're returning home to you know your home market. Um, in Massachusetts, and if, now that he didn't go to Boston, I just don't see the destination out there for him. Maybe returning to San Antonio even. But even that, like, you're starting from scratch at that point. In Oklahoma City, you've built a culture, you've built a community, you've built a fan base, you've built your roster that you already have, you've built these assets that are at a historic clip. Like, you've done everything in Oklahoma City. You've drafted three straight MVPs already. You've you've acquired multiple Hall of Famers. You've done everything to the point where you can build this team and have full, full-fledged flexibility, ownership of this team, and, and the way it plays basketball and the players that are on it. You have all those things going your way for this team. To where, who can offer more than that? The only thing a team can offer more than Oklahoma City is, hey, we can make your life easier by giving you a platform to acquire free agents. That's the only selling point any other team has. And so Boston's the only team that had two selling points. They have not only can we get you in the game in terms of free agency, but we can get you in the game in terms of this is your you know hometown team. This is where you want to be. This is a, a legendary organization. They can, they can play the game that way. Everyone else, number one, yes, they, you know, the Lakers might be able to give you the ability to sign free agents. However, they also give you meddlesome ownership. Everywhere else gets a little more restrictive on what he can do. Now, I don't think that any NBA team will ever tell Sam Presti how to run a basketball program because he's shown he should be in charge of day-to-day operations and acquire an acquisition of talent and things of that nature. I think that any team will fully restrict him, but they will not be as willy-nilly with him and as and as loose with him as OKC is. So that's a big plus, not have really any oversight. They just have to say, hey, we're doing this, and then Clay goes, okay, cool. As he should. You should trust a guy like Sam Presti, and the team does. So I just don't see him leaving for anywhere else. And, and that's not me trying to be a homer or looking at it through thunder-colored glasses. It's just I don't see what destination would be better for him than Oklahoma City whenever you don't take the Boston job. And the Boston job, whenever you go to your... But if you go to the finals in your first year, it doesn't look like it's going to open up anytime soon. But we'll see. Um, at Giddy's Better, for the last question of the day, we'll do the we'll do the rest of these questions on tomorrow's show. At Giddy's Better, who do you who did you follow before the Thunder, and who was your favorite NBA teams to watch, not including OKC? Um, before the Thunder came to town, I was a Maverick fan. Uh, I, I went to see the Mavericks play the Hornets whenever they were in Oklahoma City. I saw Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, I was just, I'm a huge Mavericks fan. I love the Mavericks. Um, Dirk, Finley, Jason uh, Kidd, Jerry Stackhouse is my favorite player of all time. Um, uh, I love the Mavericks. I love watching Luka. Uh, I love watching them a lot. I love watching the uh, Grizzlies as well. Uh, John Morant is must-watch is must watch TV. The NBA is in such a healthy place that I buy league pass and I have games on 
because in in season you're watching the six o'clock window, you're watching the the seven o'clock window, you're watching the nine o'clock window. All of those, of course, being central. You're watching all those all those games, and then the next day when I'm sitting here at my desk and doing work, yeah, I'm popping a game on the whole time, just re rewatching the games I missed yesterday, uh, and, and kind of rewatching games from the week of. So like, I, I just love watching the NBA and love watching where the state of the league is at right now. Uh, the Warriors are a fun team to watch, duh. But but Grizzlies are, are, are a fun watch to me. I like watching the Celtics play basketball as well. Um, two teams are in the finals. Really going out on the limb there. But I do like watching Atlanta and Charlotte. I, I think that Charlotte is one of the more fun teams to watch. They have a great uh, broadcasting crew, which makes it very fun as well. Um, those are all kind of my go-tos besides the Thunder. Mavericks, Charlotte, um, all Celtics, Warriors, Memphis, all those teams are very, very fun to watch. But yeah, Dallas was my favorite NBA team and my first NBA love. Um, a diehard Mavericks fan, but love OKC, of course, hosting Lockdown Thunder. Uh, but good question from Giddy's Better. We're going to do uh, more of these questions tomorrow and also on tomorrow's show. So you can get ahead of the game here, folks. Uh, tomorrow's show, I, wanna, I want to have your opinions, your takes. What do you believe for this upcoming season? What are your predictions? Who's going to win MVP? Who's going to win the championship? How are the Thunder going to fare? When are they going to get good again? Whatever prediction you have about the NBA or opinion you have about the, about the NBA, I want you to drop it below on YouTube in the comment section, comment section down below or on Twitter at Riley underscore styles, wherever, um, email, hello, ThunderPod. Drop your opinions down below about the NBA and I'm going to react to them. But on tomorrow's show, we've got the best pizza in OKC question. We've got a question about who to buy into now uh, for OKC for the future who was the biggest winners and losers of the offseason, Ludort's points per game average, who are my top 10 lockdown NBA hosts, um, as well as on there, and what I think about uh, new media is on tomorrow's show as well. A lot of good questions. Thank you all for participating in the mailbag. And again, if your question was not read in this episode, it will be read tomorrow, so make sure that you tune in. And if you missed the deadline for the mailbag, we're doing it tomorrow. So chime in in the comment section down below and give me your question uh, for tomorrow's show as well. So question prediction for tomorrow. Let me know on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.